0: this agile life
1: episode 136 natural flow
0: the software industry transforms more and more every day
1: agile
2: methods are quickly replacing traditional ones
0: the question is are you agile enough This podcast is devoted to agile and lean software development.
3: Time to welcome your
0: agile coaches on this agile life.
3: Well, welcome back from the intermission. Thank God we had plenty of time to go to the bathroom between this and the last episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We've been recording for so
3: long. (laughs) How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. haven't I haven't, Dude, even, I haven't heard
1: voices in so long. I mean, I can't remember who you people are. Oh come on, Amos! <laughs> you know you hear voices all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think at li- least two
0: of us live in new towns. That's true. That's true. Greg, are huh? you in a new town? Uh, I moved from Baldwin to Kirkwood, which is about uh, maybe ten miles closer to St. Louis downtown.
3: It's like t- well, that's, they're like ten minutes apart. Barely. A- <laughs> I that's said barely towns. A new town. Yeah, not, not
0: compared in. to Amos's move. Yeah,
3: I moved four hours. I'm no longer living in the middle of the country. Uh, well, it's still the well, middle of are. the United States, but it's not the middle of the woods.
0: Uh, oh, yeah, that kind of country.
3: Yeah, I'm, I moved from. You're, you're slightly askew, right? I moved from the middle of the woods to uh,
0: Kansas City.
2: What? Well, what is this show about? I forgot.
0: <sighs> I think it's about life. Is it? Is it life? I,
3: something like. Something about resources
0: Argyle and, and I mean, using,
3: socks. using resources to, to their fullest potential until the, they no longer work out and then getting resources. I think that's what it is. You're right. That's what the show all about. People are resources.
2: <laughs> that's funny that you say that because uh, Jason Tice reminded me that this is like the five-year anniversary <laughs> of the show. What? What? Wow. It, it, I guess not not right now, but like in November of 2018 would have been the five-year anniversary.
3: What? In November? Yeah. Or is,
2: People Work Here.
3: Oh, from the, the People Work Here episode, five-year anniversary. Okay, not the show altogether.
2: No, actually, the show is seven years old.
3: Wow. From, and, and it started in July, right? Is that when it
2: started? July of 2012. So I guess it's six and a half years
3: I can't now. believe my memory works that well. I must have actually cared about you guys.
2: <laughs> Hardly.
3: Back in the days before well, before well, Lee was was on-air talent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was I'm still talent. not on-air talent. I'm just on-air. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no. He was always talent. It just wasn't always on-air. Right. Oh. So. Well, so what... What, are, what Amos what are you doing nowadays like what what's your job?
3: Uh, so I'm, I'm still running my own company uh, building software for other people and uh, hopefully hopefully um, within the next year a little bit of software for myself, some kind of little software as a service run on the side. And I mean if it makes five dollars a year it would make me super happy at least I made something that wasn't just for somebody else. Uh, and trying to grow the company. Um, I have a goal this year to, to have at at least one other person, hopefully, um, two other, other not Craig,
2: not Craig though. No,
3: Craig, Craig decided to go get a real job. Uh,
0: I see again, again,
3: every time he does it, he starts to regret it though.
2: (laughs) Well, I, I heard that Craig was like a roadie for a, a heavy metal, um, country western jazz band
1: what is that what's the name black black sabbath
0: i have a black sabbath t-shirt on but i don't think i was a roadie <laughs> for that
1: <them. laughs> but you didn't did you hear all
2: the things heavy metal western jazz band
1: uh, yeah, it's one um that fusion. is black sabbath right
2: it's one of those um, fusion bands. <laughs> get it. I
0: have, I have been all around the world the past couple of years uh, seeing some concerts.
2: I know you like those. Well, what are you up to, Greg?
0: Uh, actually, I'm starting a new job in uh, two or three weeks. Um, still doing Rails. Um, hopefully going to be doing a little bit of Elixir, though.
3: Coming to the dark side.
0: Yeah, then then I can work for Amos once I okay. know how to do answer.
3: Okay. <laughs> I don't know if it's working for me as much as working with me. I, I you know, I kind of feel that way about anybody that's, who works with that's me. That's
0: true, except that my paycheck comes from you.
3: Well, yeah, or through yeah, you. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just convenient because I pay better and more on time than most clients. <laughs>
2: Well, Lee, what are you up to these
1: days? Oh well, um, uh, about I don't know. I guess two years ago now, I switched over to being a uh, <laughs> uh oh god. At least you Did didn't you say, say scrum master. No. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. It's wait, Sorry, but it's I, both. It's uh, scrum I threw master up a little and bit project. in my <laughs> mouth. Sorry. I'm eating um, a pickle.
3: It tastes the same. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so uh we we created this this uh, role called a delivery lead at uh, at my job and uh it's kind of a project manager with all the uh the extra uh agile responsibilities uh that you might see of of team leads except across multiple teams so uh, I have been learning a tremendous amount, so for me, it's been a good it's been a good thing. I hope it's been okay for the company too. They keep paying me for it, so I guess so.
3: Must be working out well. You guys work at the same place, right, John?
2: Shoot, we sit two feet from each other.
1: Yeah, I I get blasted every time John turns on his happy light. Happy? <laughs> What's a happy light?
0: Ooh. <laughs> Hey, mine's on right now. It looks now. like Craig does have a happy light. I, I've got
2: like a seasonal affective disorder light, like just like Craig is shining in our eyes here to help uh, give me some extra sunlight to make me feel better because it's so damn dark and 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 sad-looking outside. So I, I don't need
3: mine it's anymore. Dark, so since I moved at the end of August, I <laughs> went from working in a room mostly alone with no windows to I have one, two, three, four, five ceiling-to-floor windows in the room that I'm in.
1: But he's uh, still mostly alone.
3: I actually have a second sitting-standing desk in my <laughs> office just in case anybody wants to visit.
1: I thought it was just so you could move to another desk and pretend. Ooh. Well, I,
3: I, I do, do sometimes walk over there and then talk at the desk I'm currently at, <laughs> just so I feel like I have a friend.
0: Do you ever do you ever charge clients for two people since you have two desks and just sit at the different desks when you're working for them?
3: Holy crap, Craig. That is brilliant. You should be a businessman. <laughs>
2: Well, since nobody asked me what I was up to, we can just move on.
3: Oh, I thought I did. I just, no. I, 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 I did John, ask what if are you if you worked to? with Lee. That what was my lead-in. Uh, That's about as far as I got.
2: That was almost a, that was almost a segue.
3: <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it's a very tiny segue. It's more like a hoverboard.
1: So, <laughs> yeah, John, what have you been doing recently?
3: Well, thanks for <laughs> asking, Lee and
2: Craig. Um, I, I sit two feet away from Lee.
0: And do a lot of this. Does, does that mean that you do the same kind of job? Uh, yes. Yes. And you're also on the dark he, side well, now. He
1: does. He does the job and then some.
2: And I'm sort of a man in management these days. So uh, you are
3: so uh, uppity, John. I do. He is I'm very bougie.
1: He's one of our bougie. <laughs> a member of our word. executive uh, committee. for
3: the Oh, good God! Ooh. Yeah. Oh. You formed committees at work we'll now. To, we'll have to edit this part out. I'm
2: sure, So we, we can't let anybody know. All this. <laughs> <laughs> so we're trying to do, you know, do the the best of agile, um,
0: scaled agile, probably. No, no, the best
2: the best agile oh, things we God. can, and across That's the good. company, and that, I'm trying to help with those things.
3: So. Basically, what you're saying is you ignore the version one report and you ignore most of Scrum.
2: I mean, I don't know what you don't understand. I take the requirements to the developer. I have people, people skills. <laughs> Damn it.
3: Uh, uh, I missed you guys.
0: Speaking of that, did you see that uh, um, Michael Bolton did a dub of the movie? Oh, no. Where he's dubbed in for Michael Bolton. Oh nice. <laughs>
2: Classic. You'll have to you'll have to make that your pick for the show and put it in the show notes, Craig. Well, so that's a good idea. Everybody Keep can plan. find that. So Amos, you had maybe a topic.
3: Maybe. Now that so, we're now
2: that we're back from our really long bathroom break on the show, we can yeah. start talking about a
0: topic. I'm taking so, medicine for that now. <laughs>
3: I'm just glad that my wife moved while I was in the bathroom so I didn't have to unpack. <laughs> 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 um, So I've been I've been hearing multiple times lately, uh, and this is it, it's not it's not people I've been working with, actually. It's it's just people in, in conversation about software development, bringing up things like. Oh, that's, that's process. So that's not agile. And, (laughs) and, and it, drives me crazy everything that i've ever seen in life that has been successful is because of process you know you like you want to lose weight right you don't you you have some people who they i would call it the no process losing weight so the no process losing weight is where you jump on every fad diet as it comes around and then at the end of the day you still weigh the same amount or more than you did at the beginning of the entire thing and you just can't I don't do- lose weight
0: I can't I'd lose weight. I'd argue that's too much process. Well, no, well,
3: it's, the, it's it's the, <laughs> or not sticking to a process. Yeah, You're not sticking to a process. You got to find something that's successful and keep it going. And I'm not saying everybody needs to have the same process, but processes are important. When you throw them out completely and everything that everybody says to you is, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, that sounds like process to me. We can't do that. You're not going to be successful. And it's, it's, it's just drives me crazy every time I hear it.
0: I kind of like that analogy because um like dieting, everyone has something that works differently for them, so you know a process in agile doesn't necessarily work for every in every team
2: uh, uh, Amos are you are you saying that the people that you're hearing this from are are saying that anything that is formalized um sequence of things otherwise known as a process <laughs> is somehow anti antithetical to the concept of agile.
3: Yes. Yes. They're taking the, the uh, process over people and, no, and, people and people over people. Process. I'm sorry, people over pro- resources over process. <laughs> right. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they're, they're taking it to a level of, I don't, feel like working as a team is how I look at it from most of the people that I hear it from is I I, I don't want to be part of the team because I just want to do whatever the heck I want to do when I want to do it. Um, unfortunately, not all of them, but many of them, I should say. It it, it sounds like that throughout the conversations, but they're taking that, that people over process to a level of no process, which is not not what that means.
1: I'm not even sure you can do a job without at least some process. I mean, the, the very fact that you go to a, the same place every day, even if that place is your own, uh, office like Amos in his house, um, you're still going to a location. You're going through some, uh, routine of bringing up your IDE. I'm going to debug. I'm going to follow a particular process to debug. I'm going to go to standups, whatever those, those practices are that you happen to have chosen for your, for your team, uh, or for just for you personally, that's still a process. So I don't, I don't know how you can, how you can divorce process from Software or from a job in general, even not even software.
3: Yeah, that, that's where I get the I don't want to be a team player. Is that you're still going through process? But what you're saying is, whenever you say those things, is I don't care about what the rest of the team thinks, believes, or how we want to get work done together. You're saying my way, my way is the only way that I care about, and and so to me, that's you're not, you're just not being part of the team.
2: And don't forget it's it's not no process it's that we value people more cuz it's on the left over process but we still value process but we just value people more and and if you if you look at xp and you look at agile in general they have rigor associated with them it's not no it is not no process agile is not process less or rigor less which is what and, you know, 19, 18, 19 years ago is what people thought when you said Agile, immediately they thought, well, you just are talking about no process at all. And it's quite quite contrary to that, it is quite rigorous, the way, uh, the way you're required to work and the things that you do. So I, I think there's a lot of, a lot of mistakes in, in the thinking that you're hearing there. And I think it might just be an excuse for a person to be an asshole.
0: Yeah, I I still see a lot of people that think agile means no process or no rigor, which in fact, I'd say it's actually more rigor. Um but you're more conscious of the processes and you throw them away if they don't provide you value, whereas, you know, a lot of big companies especially in the waterfall era were more likely to have a lot of processes that just kind of calcified and weren't useful to people anymore. And that's kind of what agile is a is a fight against.
1: So I want to I want to characterize that a a little bit deeper in that I think the old methods for software development came out of textbooks and out of academia and and uh, professors looking at uh, psychology and processes and doing their best to come up with some with a textbook that then uh, business majors came away from and started implementing in their in their companies. The, the problem is, is that that is what took the people out of it. Uh, once you start remembering that there are people involved and that you have to adjust on the fly uh, to the situation, kind of like, you know, Marines, then then those processes that uh, were in those textbooks didn't necessarily make sense. And so I think that's what happened is, is we went through this period of, of uh, professors coming up with uh, textbook versions of processes, and then we realized, oh wait a second, let's actually talk to each other and figure this stuff out rather than just uh, uh, and do it on the fly rather than coming from a from a book.
0: So I actually see that some in agile too actually where you know they've got this process and they're like, well, we have to do it this way, and well, that's not true. Do it that way if it makes sense, but if there's something that makes more sense or if it doesn't make sense, stop doing it.
1: Right. So that's where the Scrum thing comes in, right? We always have th- have this yeah. thing with Scrum only because first off, I don't want to bash Scrum. I think that there are there are certain places where Scrum makes sense. <laughs> um, okay. um, I, I kind of do. I think, I think that uh, companies that are trying to, to get into this may can use Scrum successfully to get over the hump of nothing agile to something agile, more agile. Um, and then they need to mature beyond that.
3: Hey, have you? How many companies have you seen go from scrum to mature beyond that without having someone else come in and help them get to that next level?
1: Zero. That
3: See, that's why uh, I have a problem with scrum is because I don't think uh, it takes you to that next level. Scrum is more about reporting to management and locking things in than it is about being agile. To me, being agile is being uh, able to change. Right. Just like your processes, yeah. yes, people over processes, because you should change those processes so that they work for the people. And as people change or grow or learn, it can be the same people you change your processes. Um, but you're, you're still a team. So you have to have some kind of shared idea there. And, and Scrum locks you in on, on, features it locks you in on time it locks you in on so many things and to me reduces that feedback cycle because you say to the client you can't make any changes until our sprint is finished which is really not what most scrum teams i know do they just pile more crap (laughs) into it it's having a stand up in the morning and putting your stuff into jira doesn't make you a scrum team
2: right i mean but is that is your problem that you're experiencing or what you're what you're running into and what you're talking about um, is the is the root cause of this or the source of this Scrum or is it just uh, is someone misusing the term process or misreading misreading into people over process?
3: Um. Well, well, the the Scrum thing uh, is, I think the the over-commercialization of the system of Scrum, the fact that you go get a certification that says that you know the Scrum process. Uh, yeah, and it I makes get you that
2: f- you hate Scrum and
3: you're Scrum No, bashing. no, no, but, it, but it, well, I thought that's <laughs> what you're asking about with Scrum.
2: I was asking you if the root of this was based in the fact that somebody was forcing an agenda that was Scrum-centric on you or using Scrum as a, as a hammer to hit you over the head with or if it was really just that somebody was misinterpreting people over process.
3: Oh, from, for, from the beginning of our conversation, I'm, I'm, I'm lost yeah. <laughs> from the beginning yeah, of our conversation. Yeah. Nobody was talking about scrum. It it really was just people over process. I don't know how we switch gears. there. It's probably my fault, but, uh, um, it, I, I mean, as far as scrum goes or any other XP even is that, um, if you say every team in our organization will work exactly in this way and not be able to change, you are putting process over people instead of people over process. But the, the thing that I've been running into lately is people keep bringing up that that any process is is bad. And 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 I'm like, you can't learn, you can't do anything without some sort of process. Like, like that's the the secret to success is finding micro processes that you can do repeatedly and get better at, and and maybe even turn those into macro processes that that make you successful. Whether you want to be a, a programmer or a, a, a newspaper editor, right? It doesn't matter. The the more that you can can turn into micro processes that work for you and your team, the more successful you will be.
2: And I think uh, Lee did a pretty good job of articulating my feelings as well, is that when, when, when we start to elevate the process to the most important thing and we forget about the people in a way that the, you know, the, the everything becomes about the process and forget if you have to work, you know, 10 hours today or 12 hours tomorrow, to to serve the process or you have to bend over backwards to do ridiculous things in order to run the process, because it's not about you. It's about the process. That's when we've gone really, really
0: wrong. So two things I'd like to keep in mind, and one just kind of occurred to me streamlining process is a lot of, of what we do, especially at a retrospective. We look at our processes and we see where we could improve and think about how we could improve to me that's streamlining the process getting rid of the parts that don't don't work well and improving the, the parts that, that do. Um, but the other thing I, I'd like to keep in mind is context you know what what might work for one team might not work for another team and so um, it's it's probably the hardest part of, of being an agile coach that comes in and, and helps other teams is figuring out which things to try just by looking at the context well okay this team works this way, um, they're pretty comfortable in, in these certain things, but not these other things. So let's try this new idea instead of this other idea.
3: I, I usually start out by asking them what they want to try. I, I try not to put out suggestions until after they've given me a bunch. and then And then I really just try to share my experiences based around similar things to the suggestions that they're already making. What are your pain points? How do you want to solve it? Oh, that's, that's interesting. That kind of is related to this other thing that I tried once. What do you guys want to try?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just having experienced most of the agile practices, um, you know, a lot of the teams you go to, they don't know some of the practices that, that are available to them. So you can kind of guide them to think about some of those ideas. It's funny how often when, when
2: someone is experiencing a problem though, and you come in either as a coach or somebody that's trying to help or just another member of the team uh, who maybe has some experience, that how much you can really draw out of a group of people who, who may not have any formal education or formal experience with agile in any way, but if just through just through um, very, very poignant question asking, very pointed. Question asking, you know, did you have you considered this? What is, what would make sense to do in that situation? What would be natural for you to do? And you, and without even knowing it, in a lot of cases, people will start to describe uh, improvements that that lean themselves towards towards agile methodology.
3: Yeah, I, I, um, you know the the five whys, right? Where you you know somebody has a feature and you ask them why a bunch of times till it till you get get down to an answer when they say a minimum of five. Uh, actually, when, when people complain about pain points or suggest changes, I, I still play that same game and try to ask them why in, you know, five different ways. And, and it's amazing to watch how much that'll morph their, their suggestions or their pain points um, on, on maybe even what, what the pain point is actually causing them.
0: Uh, I actually saw a good critique of the five whys recently. I'll try to dig that up. I think it was Avdi Grimm. Um Basically, a lot of times there's not a single reason why. And, and even though we know that you're not doing it to blame, um, a lot of time it's still trying to, to pin the blame on, on some specific thing when that might not actually be accurate.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of that sort of depends on what what is that you're trying to uh, ask about. And, and what what is the line of questioning that you're going down? Because simply asking the asking why, and it depends on the context of the situation, but it's not necessarily to uh, to drill down to like a, a root a root evil or a, a, a something that someone has done that has caused the a, a bad a bad result. It could just be that you're asking why do you want this feature? What is you know what is the what will the feature do for you? And you're driving down to more fundamental. Uh, brass tacks about the motivations uh, that exist and and not at all about trying to assess any sort of blame. You're just trying to get back to you want the button to be red. Well, why do you want the button to be red? And you you learn more about the motivation so that you can determine that there's actually a much better way to get to the outcome of having a button red than, than a red button.
3: <laughs> That's that, that sounded weird. I get what you're saying. <laughs> you said it. so, is it
0: much, so, it's like meta. So, basically. Dude. Like meta. <laughs> so, so, that's using the five whys to get down to. There is no button. Sort of the. the there is no so, red. <laughs> is it the red button or the blue button? Um, that's, that's using the five whys to get to basically the problem instead of the, the solution that they're looking for. Um, a lot of times they're used, though, in postmortems. Um, that's more what I was talking about, um, where you have to be sort of more careful about it. But the funny thing about that is when you're doing a postmortem, it's usually about, well, I was following this process that we had, and that actually was a problem. And so we need to change our process, turns out.
3: You're using the five whys to get down to the motivation. But once you have a motivation, let's say, and somebody has has a process, they want to change the process, and, and you've got the motivation of why they want to change it. And then they tell you how they want to to change. Do you use the wise again on their implementation of a change for, for lack of a better term to, to maybe just tease out what their, what their implementation is and if it's actually going to solve the problem that they've set forth to solve with it.
0: I'm not sure who you're asking or which context I'm, you're asking. I'm asking like the, the, any of you, uh, anybody? Hey, buddy. Hey, you got an answer? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't have answers. I just have suggestions. That's that's.
1: Let's let's ask some more questions.
0: <laughs> Ooh. Questions are always good.
2: Well, what were you what were you hoping? Where were you hoping we would go with that? Why are Amos you asking us that, Amos?
3: But, <laughs> well, I, yeah. I, I don't think that I had a hope on anywhere that you were going. I was just curious that, um, if somebody did bring up a, a, a solution to maybe you get down to the bottom of your wise, yeah. even if it's not about processes, if it's about some feature, you get down to the bottom of your wise and, and you think you truly understand it. And somebody suggests a, a solution to that. Do you ever ask them, well, why that solution? and, and, Ah, does that help, okay. or does it just frustrate the crap out of
0: people <laughs> that's that's a better question I like
2: it it's a yeah yeah so the it can i think it can frustrate but the uh and i don't necessarily ask people why that is why they propose that what I would ask is is essentially the same question, just word it differently and it's how how do you envision this this <clears throat> How do you envision this solving the problem and and what could what could we do to verify that it's it's having a, the impact that you intend it to
0: so having gone through a couple uh, software engineering tech interviews in the past year, um, a couple stand out um, where there was like a take home um, assignment um, actually working on some actual code that they had already solved before. Um, but, uh, you do this take home and then when you go in for the in-person interview, uh, they ask you about your solution and, and it's a lot like that. Like they go through this, why did you do this this way? And, and you have to justify your reasoning. And, um, as an engineer that's been doing this for, you know, a decade plus, um, the the answer the answer is always the engineering's answer, which is um it was a trade off between, you know, these different things I was trying to accomplish and here's why this one outweighed this other one. Um so yeah, I, I have seen that kind of thing in like an interview process. Um I unfortunately I don't think we do that a lot outside of that interview process, when we probably could learn a lot from each other um just by explaining why we did code reviews has that a little bit, but they're not quite as, as heavy as a code review during, during an interview.
2: Those that's especially beneficial in an, in an interview setting because you're not really assessing did the person get the right answer because superficially you should already, you should already know that. Did they, did they solve the problem? What you're really doing with that question is trying to figure out, um, the person's the person's depth of experience and wanting them to be able to articulate in a meaningful way to you how they went about actually solving the problem, so you can better understand uh, their, what their level of experience is and how they how they deal with problem solving and, and difficult programming problems. And it's much less about them providing you with a right answer at that point and much more about just learning about how they think about things and how they solve problems. So,
3: so so you'll, you'll spend, you spend that time though in, in an interview when the code that they wrote at the end of the day is just for an interview and will be thrown away. But do you spend that much time on the production code going out when you review it? Is that, that, is what I got from what Craig was saying. Oh, we don't have time yeah. for that. <laughs> We've <laughs> got deadlines. We um, got deadlines. According to our process, <laughs> we are only allowed to spend 15 minutes on a code review.
0: I guess if you're having a good pairing <laughs> session, you end up doing a lot of that, actually. Um, yeah, right? I, I've done a little bit of mobbing where we had some of that. Um, so
2: the whole the, the whole pairing session should be that sort of well, stream I mean, of consciousness of your thought process.
0: Yeah, well, in the in the interview process, it's more after the fact, you know, a couple of weeks. Yeah, after but we're talking
2: it, now about production code. Yeah, you're creating
0: production. Code. Um, yeah, I think we could probably do more of it more in like the code review uh, process, but I, th- I think we do get a lot of it when we're, we're more pairing well.
3: Well. It- I, I think that's the, the better place for it, right? If you if you try to ask somebody about the decisions that they made in the moment later in a code review, sometimes the the answers get washed out or they're not even sure anymore. And it doesn't mean that the decision that they made was not great uh and and not the right decision. It just means that in the context of the entire PR, no matter how small it is, sometimes the, the little decisions get, get washed out by the bigger decisions, and it's hard to remember why you made small things.
0: Um, that's a little bit true, but I kind of disagree in the fact that um, having more time to have it sit in your memory, um, you kind of come up with sometimes better answers. Um, sometimes you say, well, yeah, I kind of regret that decision now, and maybe we should change
3: it. That's a great answer. I love that one. That's my favorite because that
0: I, I actually had a few of those in my most recent interview where I got the job well, that,
3: that means that, that like,
0: yeah I'm like ah, I probably could have gone the other way on that see one
3: see that that's that's your favorite thing though that means today you is is smarter than yesterday you
1: yep I don't know I'm a manager now I'm not sure that that's really the case anymore
0: <laughs> well the day you became a manager I mean that, that took a big nose down
1: yeah. I, I know I know I feel dumber every day. We should
0: maybe talk about management. Um, I've been seeing quite a few things, especially on our local tech Slack, about uh, you know managers often be putting in a management position with no training in what it takes to be a manager. A great developer does not and, mean
3: that you'll be and, a great developer manager. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, the Peter Principle came up and you know how different management styles and um, people that manage up tend to do better climbing the ladder than people that manage down. But, People who manage down are usually more effective and definitely more well-liked by their employees.
1: Hmm. So, um, so can you explain that a little more, what you mean? I, I want to make sure that we're thinking the same thing when you say managing up and managing down.
0: Uh, well, first of all, we should put this on the uh, parking lot for a, a later topic. But um, managing up means um, setting expectations for your own manager. And managing down is basically... Um, uh, what, do, what do managers do for their employees? That's interesting. We usually call it... So that, making sure the employees can
1: yeah, do their jobs. we usually job. call it coaching up and coaching down. Uh, okay, that, got
3: it. Hey, when, when you okay. say, what does a manager do for their employees? It takes me back. I'm going to I'm gonna riff on Tice, even though he's not here. I remember back in, in an older episode when Tice brought up that uh, if somebody, somebody on the team, um, as he's the manager, asks him to go get them water, what should he do? And I was like, you get him some damn water. Like, <laughs> that's yeah. what they asked for.
0: Ask what well, else they yeah. need.
3: Is there anything else you need? Well, I'm going to get you that water. <laughs> like,
2: and in fairness, I think he was supportive of that. It was, it was a talk about. Yeah, yeah I think leadership. he was. I
3: think he was. I just remember that he brought up that question when he said it to me, I was like, are you really, are you seriously asking me that? Cause I'm going to tell you to get the, get the, get the man some water. <laughs>
1: Got to keep strength. the talent
0: happy and, <laughs> and hydrated. <laughs> it's, well, more it's, importantly, it's, able able to do their it's job. It's Proven that you think better when you're hydrated.
3: <laughs> That's why I have beer at work. No, I'm kidding. I do not. <laughs> I do not drink at work.
2: That's sort of the that self organizing teams approach of of feed the team the stuff that they need and and get out of their way. They'll find the right technical solutions yep. to solve problems. You don't yep. need to. Ho- hover over them like a hawk and make sure that they're uh you know you're mi- micromanaging every every architectural decision every tool decision every code decision
0: uh, another good reason to drink water or whatever else but preferably water a lot at work is uh uh built-in you know bio breaks <laughs> to go get more water or to to use the bathroom You mean bathroom driven development um, so you get up <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So you you get up every hour or so, and you you get some physical That's exercise. That's what ADD means. <laughs>
2: bathroom <laughs> um, so, development. So so it's see. a
0: little like Pomodoro, but uh, it happens naturally. It,
3: they both start with the same letter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're, we are right back in the in the in the thick of it with our non sequiturs <laughs> from water to bathroom break, and we're just
3: all over the place. I, I, you know, I think that the, the natural flow of conversation is okay. I, I learn a lot from, from the natural flow that we, we have, uh, Craig shaking his head like he thinks we should stick to one topic, but, uh, but I like when we switch topics, I think it's, it's very natural and, um, you know, e- this is, this is one podcast that I've been on that I can turn it on in the car and listen to it because I feel like I'm just hanging out talking
1: to people. That's because you're just listening to yourself again.
0: I was just shaking my head at your your choice of words, actually.
1: What? What was that?
3: Because peeing is natural. Oh, flow. oh. man. I totally admit I make puns so easily, I didn't even realize it. Uh, <sighs> uh, and humble, too. I hope you noticed.
1: <laughs> I will never be able to hear somebody. Talk about Kanban and, and continuous <laughs> flow again without thinking about this.
0: Just just hand up some more water. <laughs>
3: every every time you guys talk about continuous flow, I have to go to the bathroom.
1: <laughs> this week's
3: hottest
0: picks. All right, Craig, uh, what's your hottest picks for the week? Um, so I tend to do um, a lot of things about uh, paradoxes, and this is this is sort of one of those. Uh, it's called the Alchian Allen effect. Um, so, um, it's kind of a weird thing. So it basically says that if you're in, uh, Florida, you won't actually get as good of oranges as the rest of the country. Um, which sounds counterintuitive, right? Um, the reason is let's say that sounds absolutely crazy. Well, let's say, I can't wait to hear this. Let's say your oranges cost a dollar each, right? When you're in Florida. And you know, you're in Florida, so you don't really have to pay any shipping. But if you're in, let's say, New York City or you know, St. Louis or Chicago, you're gonna have to have those oranges shipped. And so, if you take that one dollar orange and you cost 50 cents to ship, now you know your oranges are a dollar 50. But if you have a dollar 50 orange and, um, it still costs fifty cents to ship. Now You've got a, a two fifty orange or two dollars orange versus one fifty orange. Whereas in Florida, you have the one dollar orange versus one fifty orange. So it's a bigger jump in Florida to get the better orange than in some other town that had to had to pay for a lot of shipping. So that's why actually um, you can actually get a lot of good seafood not on the the sea seaboard. Or okay, I, I believed you at oranges. <laughs> But I know I'm, I'm just dis- disbelieving. Seafood. I know it's, well, yeah. You know, the <laughs> weird thing is every time I go to the, you know, one of the coasts, I'm like, Oh, it's fresh seafood. And you go there yeah. and most of the stuff isn't local. And so you're, I'm like, well, what, what was the point again?
3: <laughs> you, you need to go to Merle's Inlet in South Carolina. You can get, you get local stuff there. Even at the restaurants, it's like, what it we bought off the, Boat this morning. Yeah, that's what's harming I, I, menu think you today. You have to go
0: to a marina, not not just a seafood restaurant.
3: Yeah, I think so. Or a very small community seafood restaurant that is near. A I, port.
0: I've even done that before, and it just wasn't very local. You need to be oh, closer man. to the natural flow. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Ooh, that is that is a good one, John. Way to bring it back around.
2: What else do you have, Craig?
0: Uh, I had the two things I mentioned during the. Um, I'll, I'll have to dig one up. Um, actually, I'll have to dig them both up. the The Michael Bolton in uh, uh, office space, and uh, the the five wise critique that that I thought was pretty good.
3: It was the Michael Bolton in office space while we were recording?
0: What? Yeah, yeah.
3: I don't. Th- I don't think we were recording. were we recording? Yeah. yeah. Man, see, I. I don't know. You oh, need, whatever. You need to stop.
2: <laughs> stop sniffing glue.
3: <laughs> it's hard. I'm putting together this uh, tester model here.
2: <laughs> I see. Well, uh, Amos, do you have some picks? I think.
3: Uh, I. I do. My. My picks are, are less high tech than Craig's. Um, my first pick, just because it's been so long, is people. <laughs> uh, Work here. People are are freaking awesome and and so i think that they should always be the number one pick so i'm making them my number one pick just all people in general they all have talents and and we should we should uh, foster those and then my second one is is something that i've uh been in love with lately because i do too much with technology all the time um and that's just paper Paper's beautiful. You know, electronic Kanban boards can be can be awesome, but a paper kanban board, there's there's nothing like grabbing that piece of paper and physically moving it. Um or or taking notes with a piece of paper and actually handwriting things. Uh receiving a handwritten note is a wonderful thing too. So uh That's pa- so hipster. Paper. I know, right? But I don't mean to be hipster. It's just I like paper. I want to uh,
2: tell you something about taking notes though. I heard what's that, that uh I heard that you should not take notes in in meetings when people are talking to you anymore. You, you know, you should you should use active listening rather than trying to take notes. And which is counterintuitive to like everything that I learned growing up um in business was you should you should have a notebook, you should be taking notes in meetings. If you're not taking notes, you know you're not really participating and
0: well, it depends how you take notes. Yeah.
3: My my notes during meetings tend to be like one or two words. Yeah, bullet points um, and stuff. Like yeah, like but people and
2: paper key takeaways. And- right.
0: Not, I I always saw those I people see. in college that they're like writing down everything the professor said. That that's not that's not active listening. But you can take a jot down a few notes on on some key points and and yeah. and be active listening.
3: I used to write down a couple of words in well still in class in meetings i write down a couple words and then afterwards i pull out my notebook and fill in all around it with whatever i can remember uh and that works a lot better for me so i don't know it's different
0: also if i write something down i'm more likely to remember it
3: (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's what i i like about paper (laughs) and then i draw drawing pictures
1: This actually came up with John and I because uh, he needed me to take notes at a meeting. And uh, I told him that I take horrible notes because I can't think about what I want to write down and be listening to whatever the person is saying next. So I'm having to translate the previous thing into my head into something that that uh, are notes. And it just doesn't work for me. So I don't bother.
3: Yeah, I, I don't I don't write fast enough. That's why I only write down like one or two words because otherwise i just don't hear the next sentence at all i can't hear and write say, at the same time were you were what? you taking I was writing were you taking notes down. john yeah, yeah <laughs> uh well and i'm i'm just going to throw out here while i'm i'm still talking <laughs> wait that's like the whole episode cuz tice isn't here anyway uh, is the the book getting things done by david allen it's an oldie but a goodie um all about how to get stuff done in in a um in a what is it a thinking job uh you know not knowledge a, work not knowledge work yeah thank you i couldn't think of the, the word of it it's it's just about organizing yourself and and getting all of those things in your brain that you need to do out of your brain so that your brain is free to think about the work that you're on because otherwise you you lose stuff if you're trying to keep it in your brain and he, it it's harder to be be free to to get your work done whenever you're thinking okay in, in an hour I have to do this in an hour after this in an hour after this so great book oldie but a
2: goodie good and those are our picks for the episode Lee and I didn't have picks because well we just didn't create them so. they both we're, like we're people lazy. though they like we're people
1: lazy. We're, we're the managers so um, <laughs> we we have to ask the people that actually know what they're doing to give us the picks
2: that's right <laughs> that's that's where we and we didn't use enough process to make sure that the people pulled us the picks ahead of hey them. at least you're trusting the people on the ground
1: we know where the real knowledge is it's okay
2: all right that's it for the show thanks for listening to this agile life.
0: This Agile Life is brought to you by a community of Agile developers and coaches aspiring to spread the word about this groundbreaking approach to software development. Join us at thisagilelife.com forward slash community.